Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that brings you so much hideous, horrible, bad news that it pretty much lasts you the full week until you come back and watch the show again. I'm Kevin Derrett with Dr. E. Michael Jones. Hey, welcome, E. Mike. How are you doing? Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you back. It's uh, It's been a, another crazy week. Honestly, this may be one of the most crazy, depressing week of hideous news stories uh, in all of False Flag Weekly News history, which is saying something. But the good news is at least we raised most of our $200 quota for the show. So we're going to go ahead and do the show and depress you with all of the horrible truths uh, that you're not going to hear from the corporate control mainstream. We're going to help you get a clear understanding of yourself. That's right. Americans need a clear understanding of themselves. We'll get into that uh, Chinese tweet in just a moment. But first, our obligatory disclaimers. Question everything. And if you if you can't handle questioning everything, Jen, question something. If you can't stand questioning something, then don't question anything at all and turn the channel uh, because our questions are very disturbing. And finally, we have one last disclaimer. Medical health is medicinal, medicinal health, uh, all that sort of thing. If we try to sell you testosterone supplements to make you more masculine like Alex Jones, don't send us any money. Don't believe us. Don't try to buy them because we're not really selling them. And we would be committing fraud if we pretended to be selling them as a way to trick you into sending us money. Okay, let's let's get going with the show here, Mike. Okay, uh, here's our slide for the week. This was tweeted by the Chinese foreign minister uh, about American how Americans are seen in other countries and how they see themselves and how they really are. Uh, Mike, were you surprised to see the Chinese foreign minister basically uh, speaking out for 9/11 truth? Uh, no, uh, no, uh, but uh, because it's it's a widespread idea throughout the rest of the world. What, what he's doing is linking this with other incidents and creating a counter narrative that is going to be uh, ultimately devastating to, to the regime. So you say this might have been the most depressing week. I think what's happening here is that it's going to get more depressing because as they get more and more desperate to shore up a narrative that's collapsing around them. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, speaking of that counter narrative, uh, that is a true narrative about the hideous crimes of the elite that runs the U.S. and the West and the world. Um, how about this article by Larry Romanoff? Uh, I thought this was a another uh, masterpiece from Mr. Romanoff. Points out that the U.S. has been at war for 235 out of its 245 years as a nation. In 50 cases, the U.S. has overthrown peaceful, legitimate governments, replacing them with psychopathic killer regimes in the pay of the Americans. Uh, more than 150 cases of the U.S. killing chiefs of states or leading executives of other nations, including even the U.N. chief. Uh, the School of the Americas in Panama, world's leading torture training center, Phoenix program, uh, Agent Orange to starve the Vietnamese, MKUltra, the hiring Shiro Ishii, the Japanese biological war criminal, and on and on and on. I mean, actually, Larry's only covered a certain percentage of the real horrors, atrocities, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and, and other uh, hideous stuff that we Americans have done. And even so, that list is enough to make you want to go and, and stick your head in the ground like everybody else. But you know, hey, we're watching False Flag Weekly. We're doing False Flag Weekly News. You're watching False Flag Weekly News, and we're not sticking our heads in the ground. Well, Mike, so what, what did you think of Larry Romanoff's article? Yeah, well, there, as I said, there we are now in the process of establishing a counter-narrative that is going to overthrow the conventional narrative because it's based on the truth. 
and uh, that's the, the the issue is now coming home. The chickens, as uh, uh, Malcolm X once said, are coming home to roost. And now, in order to maintain the narrative, the government has to make war on the people of the United States, which will uh, benefit the NRA. I guarantee you that, because as this uh, the, the Soros prosecutors, for example, refused to prosecute uh, people in big cities like Philadelphia, where I grew up. Uh, people will naturally want to buy guns because they feel they have to defend themselves. So uh, you, you'll, you'll see this, uh, uh, the cunning of reason uh, at work here as, this, the count, as the mainstream narrative collapses and the counter narrative takes its place. Yeah, well, well said. Um, you know, I think it was kind of ironic that uh, Ron Unz or Larry or whoever chose this NRA picture to go with the article because, in fact, it, really the article's description of the crimes committed almost entirely by the American elite, the government, uh, not so much by the people who just, you know, their crime is going along with it, uh, that really doesn't support the idea that the problem is the gun-loving ordinary Americans. I mean, and no. in fact, the, it's kind of the opposite. The elite that's committing all these crimes might actually prefer to take the guns away from the ordinary Americans and make sure that only those under their direct command who've been fully brainwashed and controlled have the killing machinery. Uh, so I, I, I did think that that was a slight incongruous element uh, in this article. Oh, it's confusing the issue. Uh, and and guns are not the issue because we are way beyond guns. Uh, they, uh, in terms of the state of the art of psycho warfare, psychological warfare, wherever you want to call it, state of the art warfare, uh, guns are an obsolete uh, technology, uh, and they were used by the Democrats as as uh, uh, basically the go to explanation anytime there was uh, some type of violence in the country, but it backfired. It backfired because of overreach on the part of the people who are defending us. We don't need guns if the police do their job in protecting us. As soon as you cast doubt on that, which is what they are doing, these Soros prosecutors are doing, people are going to rush out and buy guns. They, they sold Black Lives Matter, sold more guns than any group in the history of the United States of America. I was riding my bicycle through southern Michigan. I thought I'm going to get I'm going to die. All I could hear was gunfire. During that period of time, people were outside practicing their guns because they had they, the government cast doubt on its own efficacy to, to control crime. <coughs> so the ordinary Americans now may actually be starting to agree more with Larry Romanoff that the problem is their own elite and that city of London bankster elite that owns the American elite. And so when Larry writes, the Americans seem happy that they're being taught to hate Russians and Chinese and Iranians. And they voice no objection to their government's current attempted destruction of Venezuela, the decades-long suppression of Cuba, the horrific misery and death toll their government has inflicted on the nations of South and Central America, Asia, and Africa. So Larry's blaming that all on the American people. Well, yeah, there's some truth to that. But the American people may be starting to wake up and realize that their elites are the problem, just like the rest of the world knows that the American elites are the problem, just like the Chinese foreign minister returning to that tweet, which is our next uh, slide. Once again, that that Chinese minister's 9-11 uh, truth tweet, they know that the American elite is the problem. So, hey, we've met the enemy. He is us. We're starting to have to agree with the majority of the world that this is the case. 
Yeah, I, I, a classic example of what I'm talking about was uh, C.D. Jackson, a crucial figure in post-war America. He was the man who was at uh, Buchenwald doing the propaganda film about the uh, the Holocaust, the Nazi atrocities. He became Eisen because of that. Eisenhower sent him there. Uh, he became Eisenhower's campaign manager. Uh, that led to the uh, uh, overthrow of the of uh, the uh, Mossadegh in uh, in Iran. And he said in 1953, that same year, he said, America just lost its greatest salesman. Well, he was referring to Stalin. So they had they had they had the allegiance of the American people at this point because everybody knew that communism was bad and they just destroyed it. That's one of the greatest changes that's taken place during my lifetime. I don't know whether you remember the hard hat demonstration of the 1970s. But it was against the anti-war demonstrators. This was saying that the hardworking American people supported America and every single hard hat had a American flag glued on to the front of it. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. Well, that's for sure. And it's the privileged uh, youth, it seems, these days who are more rallying behind the, the evil regime. And it's the hard hats who are starting to wake up and notice that it's not running the world in their interest, if it ever did. Uh, well, so these stories that Larry Romanoff listed that are totally suppressed from the mainstream media and this counter narrative that the Chinese ambassador is tweeting right up to, you know, nine, including 9-11 truth, being completely suppressed from the mainstream media. But, you know, they're suppressing even more stuff than uh, Larry Romanoff and the Chinese ambassador are alluding to in these kinds of counter narrative tweets and articles. Um, how about the pedophile elite issue? Uh, Pizzagate, you know, may or may not be entirely true. Uh, parts of it probably part may not be, but the basic thesis that there are these uh, pedophile elites that are using blackmail uh, to keep the people within their elite group in line uh, is pretty well established at this point. And one of the people who's helped establish it is Joaquim Hagopian, who just wrote an interesting piece here about this Anne Hesch. Uh, car crash totally bizarre where, where she goes 90 miles an hour into the second story of a hollywood home and is taken out a, on a stretcher suppose or in, in a body bag and then she pops out of the body bag just before it's stuck in the ambulance this is like a david lynch movie in fact specifically it's mulholland drive redux in fact this is this is like uh i guess mulholland drive was based on this except that it happened before this happened um, this is all uh, really too bizarre, and Joaquim Hagopian makes a good case that there's probably a buried elite pedophile subtext going on with this incident and many others like it. Um, do you buy that, Mike? Well, the story is has a local angle, too, because uh, right around the same time that uh, Anne Hesch uh, died, uh, Jackie Walorski died. Mm -hmm. Jackie Walorski is the uh, representative of uh, my district in the House of Representatives. She was a loyal, loyal stooge of the Zionist regime. She grew up with that religion, this Christian Zionism here. Uh, uh, she died in a car crash around the same time. Now, it's the same type of car crash where the car just goes crazy. Uh, well, this this was this was a little bit different. So she's heading down Route 15 in in uh, Elkhart, heading south from Elkhart, 
And uh, it, this is this is flat. This is not really serious. There's a curve there, and suddenly her car steers into the opposite lane. It hits a SUV head on, and the SUV kills everybody in the sounds, car. Sounds like the Michael Hastings incident from 2013. They, they, there are articles now who are linking these three events. Okay, Michael Hastings, Jackie Walorski, and Ann Hesh. Now, the Jackie Walorski, Ann Hesh su subtext of that is that they were apparently both looking into this pedophile a conspiracy among the elites. Now that uh, that has also gained legs in another way that is unexpected because of the the Jewish uh, reaction to the Rover overturning of Roe versus Wade. The Jews are now saying that uh, uh, abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. I never said that before. And what this means here is well, which which God is it that demands human sacrifice? It's not Yahweh. It's Moloch. And so what you're seeing here is uh, the Jews, 140 Jewish organizations are saying that they worship Moloch because they are saying human sacrifice is part of their religion. So you have roots that go way back, all the way back to the beginning of our civilization, all the way up to the present. And maybe it's true. Maybe in order to maintain your hold on power, you have to have human sacrifice. The human sacrifice involved in abortion led directly to Jewish hegemony over our culture. That was concocted all by the New York Times, 67, around this time when Bernard Masons and Lawrence Later were involved in striking down abortion laws. It's the same year that the New York Times shifted and started promoting the state of Israel after the 67 war. And it's also uh, uh, the, the uh, other events taking place, the, the beginning of striking down obscenity laws, all of these things uh, took place around the same time. All of them led to death. OK, through war, through abortion, and all of them led to the Jewish hegemony over our culture uh, as Moloch worshippers. Well, the movie that Anne Hesch just made, The Girl in Room 13, which is supposedly an expose of the 150 billion per year human trafficking industry, is still scheduled to come out in September, making this bizarre incident look almost like a publicity stunt for it, a uh, perverse publicity stunt, perhaps an inadvertent one. In any case, uh, Joaquim Hagopian is doing very interesting work on this. That's another uh, really good long article that we saw this week. Well, let's get to the political news here. The big news this week was that Lynn Cheney got totally destroyed, even worse than the polls had indicated that she would. That This is the, uh, the, the Trump wars category of stories we're talking about here. Lynn Cheney, what did she get, like 30% of the vote? Trump got like close to, or Hagman, Trump, the Trump-endorsed candidate, got 66%. Uh, uh, probably you know, the biggest wipeout of a famous uh, major national politician in ages. Uh, and Matt Getz points out that I'm unaware of any Republican primary where the organizing principle that Trump is a bad guy has ever been successful, which is kind of bizarre. So the media is really uh, beating the heck out of Trump and has been ever since he announced he was running for president back in what, 2015 or whatever. Uh, and somehow that strategy to try to eliminate this candidate, this guy, this candidate, and then the president and the ex-president that they, they want to eliminate by beating up on him in the mainstream media, it just never works. It's very strange. This has never happened before. They've lost control of the narrative to a certain extent, haven't they? they, they they're going to have to get a little more sophisticated and stop playing checkers and start playing chess because what you're talking about here is unintended consequences now the, the 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 media have established the principle that truth is the opinion of the powerful and that should be the end of the story well it's not the end of the story you can use uh the power of the media 
this incredible power and you can pull out all the stops and you can bring about the exact opposite event uh, of, uh, of what you intended. People call it to the cunning of reason. This is proof that God is in charge of human history and these powerful men are not. And it's also proof that the truth is not the opinion of the powerful. The truth is great and the truth will prevail in the end. So you, the more you the more you beat up on somebody like Donald Trump, the stronger he gets. And the classic example of that this week was this FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, which was apparently designed to try to you know, push back against Trump. Instead, it was a big publicity stunt for all the pro-Trump candidates in the elections. And so you read the search warrant for, for the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid and uh, what, what do you read? Oh, a, you know, a box covered with skull and crossbone warning signs, uh, a box with nuclear signs labeling what warning, highly enriched uranium, another box contents, four dozen nuclear triggers. Well, not exactly. Uh, it was all a bunch of papers and it's kind of unclear precisely what was in those papers and why it all had to be raided. Although technically it appears to be arguably illegal that Trump would be taking any of these papers out of the White House because they all belong to the American government and are supposed to be uh, pawed through by the National Archives, not by Trump's minions. In any case, the uh, the FBI, and we see in the next slide, apparently um, was going after documents that Trump had been hoarding for years about Russiagate, that is, documents that might support Trump's case that he was set up by the Democrats for the whole Russiagate narrative. And that strikes me as probably the most likely explanation for what this raid was really all about. And then we see in the next slide, uh, Jim Kunstler, one of my uh, favorite writers on various topics, uh, is, is pushing that narrative from kind of a pro-Trump perspective. So would you agree, Mike, that it, probably what this is really about is Russiagate-related material, political stuff that Trump wanted to use for his political purposes and that his enemies wanted to make sure that he didn't use and that, if anything, they could use? Yeah, I think I think Trump understands that uh, Merrick Garland has uh, basically totally weaponized law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement in this country. There's no there's no pretext anymore that we have the rule of law. It, it's basically if you are on the right side of the political agenda, then you can do whatever you want. And if you're on the uh, wrong side, you have uh, no rights whatsoever. So you have in this country now you have either privilege or you're uh, without rights. That's the situation. I think Trump understood that. I think he understood that he couldn't trust any type of government agency to give an accurate account of the documents that he would send over. So he had to keep them himself. And I suppose there's precedent here. The government, the, the president can classify or declassify documents according to his uh, privilege. Uh, uh, but uh, this is this is not enough. Uh, and I think that that's exactly what's going on here. They had to weaponize uh, the Justice Department to get at something. But again, look, look what happened. They, they created, they recreated Trump. I mean, this if there are ever uh, uh, an action that made Trump rise in the polls, it was this uh, busting into his house and going through his wife's clothes closet. Uh, looking for documents. It was a disaster for the Justice Department. And uh, the, the big loser in this regard was Ron DeSantis, as far as I can tell. I mean, he, he was the up-and-coming guy. There was a, a good a sense that he was going to challenge Trump. And now Trump has reasserted his hegemony over the Republican Party, thanks to Merrick Garland. Thanks, Merrick. Yeah, another a, a great pro-Trump uh, PR stunt. 
Uh, and using Judge Bruce Reinhardt to sign off on it was, uh, as Kunstler points out, uh, pretty crude and desperate. Reinhardt is famous for going from prosecution side over to the defense side uh, for on the Jeffrey Epstein case overnight, like literally overnight. He <laughs> resigned on Friday and then on Saturday he was representing uh, Epstein's pilot and his his uh, his various sub pimps and so on. So, yeah, it all looks pretty good for Trump and pretty bad for, for the anti-Trump side, no matter how the mainstream media tries to spin it. So, yeah, I, I would classify this as another cunning of reason case, Mike. I, right. I think you're on the right track there. Yeah, this, the, the issue here is a serious issue for Ron DeSantis because he is every bit has every bit as much Jewish support as Trump had, even though he comes across as a kind of maverick. And the, this is all uh, Garland's Jewish, the judge's Jewish, the whole Jeffrey Epstein case. The man who got Jeffrey Epstein, his sweetheart deal, uh, a guy named Krishner, was given a award by the ADL. So Ron Santos is in a bind right now, OK, because he's going after all sorts of projects that are really Jewish projects, Jewish revolutionary activity like the Disney thing, the homosexual thing, all of these things. And now he's got the man he deposed as attorney general of Florida. That's a Jew, too. And he's saying this guy is preventing me from practicing my religion. And this was unfair. Now, where are the where are the Jews going to come down on this? Are they going to side with the, the up and coming rising star in the Republican Party so that they control them? Or are they going to go with ethnic solidarity and turn on uh, DeSantis in favor of the attorney general? Well, probably uh, support both sides. Right. That's the usual strategy. And so uh, anyway, uh, Trump, you know, may be stealing documents that should be exposed. Right. I mean, if he has uh, dirt on Russiagate that he thinks the people deserve to know, which is what he's been saying, then maybe Trump's actually sort of a whistleblower, you know, like Julian Assange, uh, although he hasn't really blown too many whistles yet. And he's also talking false flags, as we see in the next slide. Uh, Trump is privately pushing the theory that the attack on the Ohio FBI office by a Trump supporter was a false flag. Um, and of course, the media is outraged by this. And I'm outraged, too, because here at False Flag Weekly News, we copyrighted the term false flag and nobody else, least of all Donald Trump, is allowed to use it without sending us a large sum of money. So Trump, send us money. Um, no, but seriously, Mike, what? Would you agree that maybe that uh, crazy guy goes after the FBI office, just like the crazy guy who went after the Pizzagate restaurant? These kind of look like false flags. Or maybe the crazy guy that went after Salman Rushdie, yeah, uh, what, uh, which we'll talk about later. But uh, the, the point here is that wh where do, when did you start using the word uh, false flag? When did the American public start using the word false flag? And now you've got a former president of the United States using the word false flag. Now, this is a, a severe, a severe defeat for the uh, deep state, because the whole point of the deep state is that nobody knows what they're doing. And the state of the art uh, deep state right now is maybe they can take control of your automobile. Well, this all of these things, uh, it's like social yeah, engineering. It used to be all planes if you're if you're against the deep state now you have to stay out of your own car what's next they're going to hack our bicycles our skateboards yes yes that is precisely the point this is a severe defeat the fact that we have the term false flag is a significant defeat for the deep state and the oligarchs here here
Well, uh, you got to give Trump some of the credit for this. A lot of it's inadvertent, and he's certainly not the uh, most morally impeccable and upright uh, spokesperson for tearing down the deep state. But it is kind of interesting to watch this bizarre battle of the titans with the uh, the orange man uh, superhero or is it supervillain against the uh, the mainstream superhero supervillain. But you know, Trump's FBI raid wasn't the only FBI raid. Uh, last week, the FBI raided some folks who arguably are a lot more heroic than Trump and deserve the raid even less than Trump did. And that would be this uh, black nationalist group in Florida that uh, was, according to the FBI, working with the evil Russians to undermine the authority of the United States, to sow division within the broader population and to interfere in U.S. elections. Yeah, the U.S. government would never interfere in anybody else's elections, of course. So the anti-globalizational movement of Russia was accused of working with this group, the uh, the African, what's it called, the, the A African people uh, in the United States, or what, I'm, I'm spacing out on the name of this group. Oh, yeah, the African People Socialist Party. Um, and as it turns out, this group was basically just doing totally First Amendment protected activities. And because those activities supposedly undermine the American people's faith in their great leadership, it's all got to be a Russian plot. So this is the new theme. And pretty soon I, I predict that False Flag Weekly News is going to have our, our door kicked down because we're supposedly working with some foreign agents to undermine people's faith in the American leadership. Well, we are definitely undermining people's faith in the American leadership. That's not our fault. Don't kill the messenger. It's the fault of the leadership, which is behaving so abominably. Yeah, well, I think that uh, this is a moment where Merrick Isles got on, guys to get on the phone and call up this branch and say, what are you, idiots? Are you crazy? Don't you get the memo? So what we have here, I think, is a conflation of two basically obsolete uh, uh, black ops. First of all, we have the attack, FBI going after black nationalists. This is a replay of what happened in Chicago with the yeah, Black Panthers. Yeah, okay, that's 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 then, you idiots. That's not what's going on now. Black Lives Matter is to be supported. You idiots. Don't you get the memo? And then you've got the other one, Russiagate. Well, that was that's in the past too. Don't you guys pay attention to what's going on? This is this is idiots, lower level idiots who are co cobbling together a group of obsolete uh, COINTELPRO conspiracies and blowing up, uh, having it blow up in their faces once again. But see, the difference, Mike, is that Black Lives Matter is totally co-opted and owned by the evil elite, whereas uh, this African People's Socialist Party is not. And so what they're telling them is if you want to be an activist, you're going to go out and burn down cities. You have to go burn down cities when you're ordered to do it by the American elite uh, under orders from the, the millionaires who, who are raking in the bucks uh, to run a fake opposition organization like BLM. But if you join an authentic uh, resistance type group like this, this particular group, then you're in trouble. And then you're going to have the FBI agents, uh, you know, kicking in the doors and bringing in armored vehicles, setting off flashbang grenades throughout the neighborhood, hovering drones in front of the front door, uh, screaming through loud speakers to come out with your hands up. I mean, they, they mistreated these folks when they arrested them in a way that they certainly didn't mistreat Trump. They waited till Trump was away and then they went sneaking into his house. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I agree that they may not be getting the memo about the way the political winds are blowing, but I, I think they are sending messages that if you're not under our control, you're 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 in trouble. We're gonna we're gonna get you. And they tell people it's all like they're always 
giving people a choice. Either you become an informant or we're going to make your life utterly miserable and maybe end it. And, and so that's uh, it's an expression of bullying and, and attempts to control uh, the different so opposition groups. And this group isn't under control. And so they're getting mistreated. Yeah, the also the problem here is they're not really black. So you're going to have to have a black test to see if you're really black and uh, you're real only black if you go along with what the FBI says you, you're, you're. So they've been denied. They've been denied black privilege. Can, can you but, imagine what, what the, the black resistance people from the 1960s would say if they said, wait a minute, fast forward to 2022. And now the FBI decides who's really black. Yeah, well, the problem was that the, the Black Panthers were really stupid back then, too, because if a guy showed up and he was black, if his skin was black, hey, he's one of us. Well, that was really stupid uh, because they they believed in skin color every bit as much as, as the, the other side believed in skin color as a determination of character. This came out, which is stupid. Uh, this came out uh, with the Supreme Court decision on abortion. So guess what? Samuel Jackson, who's a stooge who works for Hollywood, so you know who's controlling him. So guess what he says? He attacks uh, Clarence Thomas because he's not black enough. Well, I'm saying that this is has always been a, a, a black op, if you'll pardon the pun here, uh, because this it's using race as a pseudo-ethnic identity when it doesn't apply. So why did Clarence Thomas, why was Clarence Thomas against abortion? Because because he was white on the inside? No, because he was Catholic and Catholic, Protestant, Jew. And I suppose we have to add Muslim now at this point. This is the triple melting pot. This is the true source of American ethnic identity. And uh, the old black, white thing, the racial thing is just uh, sent out there to confuse us. Yeah, I think there's there's some truth to that. There's also some truth to the fact that uh, black people have had a much harder time over the past 50 years as they're being supposedly liberated, while in fact the economy is being destroyed, the black family is under attack with all of this uh, crazy you know, left-wing uh, cultural Marxist stuff being forced down the throats of the black community, which actually thrives on religion and has uh, lost uh, all kinds of things since the black family has been destroyed. So I, I think that there is a, a, you know, there's some truth to the idea that this black community in the United States uh, has been specifically targeted by certain forces. But, you know, moving over to more enemy of the state news over in Germany, it's the same story everywhere, right? The conspiracy theorists, the people who don't buy into the establishment narrative are enemies of the state. And Herbert Ruhl, this German security official, is now making that official. So get ready. Uh, <laughs> if you watch False Flag, False Flag Weekly News, you're an enemy of the state. Yeah. So be careful what you say. Because what you're going to do when you start using this kind of rhetoric is turn normal people into people who want to overthrow the state. Because if being rational uh, makes me an enemy of the state, then I have to oppose the state. So this is precisely the type of desperation. Now, everything I have said about America is a hundred times more true about Germany. Everything that we have been subjected to in terms of social engineering is minuscule compared to the ruthless social engineering that got imposed on Germany after World War II by the American occupation forces and largely by Jewish commissars who fled Germany in the 1930s because they were afraid and came back lusting for revenge. So if you want to understand how they could get to this point or how Germany now is on the verge of committing collective suicide, 
because of their crazy uh, 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 policy of antagonizing Russia, which is the main support of their en- main supplier of their energy, this is where you have to go. It's the social engineering that got imposed on them after World War II. Well, if you're an enemy of the state just because you don't buy the narrative, what what if you actually reveal secrets that undermine the narrative? Well, our next enemy of the state here, former CIA officer Joshua Schulte, is facing up to 80 years in prison after being convicted on nine felony counts. They had to retry him. The earlier trial, uh, hung, the jury was hung on on seven out of nine counts. So they retried him and they got him on all nine counts under the Espionage Act for providing information to WikiLeaks about how the CIA had been doing all sorts of grotesquely illegal things, hacking computers, phones, uh, the internet, smart TVs, cars, hacking cars and driving them off the road like we've just been talking about. We know that they're doing that thanks to whoever it was that leaked this. Now, Joshua Schulte apparently says he it wasn't him, but they convicted him anyway. And whoever it was that leaked that is an American hero. And we, we have to face the fact that the CIA is uh, a group of traitors who all need to be tried, convicted, and executed because that's they have destroyed the American Republic and destroyed the American Constitution and committed all these crimes that heroes like Joshua Schulte are exposing. They need to be eliminated so we can get our republic back. Yeah, that's easier said than done. Uh, This is precisely what Jimmy Carter tried to do after he got elected in 1976. He uh, 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 appointed uh, Stansfield Turner as head of the uh, CIA, and he immediately fired 2,000 uh, rogue officers in the CIA. Well, you're not going. That's not going to do anything. They're all okay? rogue. They're, They're all rogue. That's, that's the tip of the iceberg. And so this provided a political opportunity for George H. W. Bush, uh, who was used to be head of the CIA, and he came back and mobilized those people, and then they weaponized the uh, Iranian hostage crisis uh, by paying the Ayatollah $24 million to prolong it. Now, I read the memoir of the lady who was the press secretary at the Iran hostage conference. And she said it was a bunch of students, we thought maybe three days, and they kept getting word from headquarters, uh, from the regime in Iran, saying, no, keep it going, keep it going. And that led to the election of uh, Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush was rewarded by being made as vice president and to ensure that the CIA still had control over the, the president. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of tools to keep their gangster regime going. But, again, but, but these- one, of, one of the things I forgot to add was one of the most important revelations in this WikiLeaks thing was that the CIA has the ability to take control of your car. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah, that was yeah, indep- just, it, that was independent confirmation of the story that was circulating about Jackie Walorski and Ann Hesh. And and Michael Hastings, absolutely. Michael Hastings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when are people going to get tired of being ruled by gangsters? Well, no apparently no time soon and the rule of law is gone because the heroes who expose the crimes of the powerful end up in prison and the powerful walk um well, let's move on to American massacre news and that American massacre we're talking about now is, of course, the COVID-19 massacre, which very likely emerged from a U.S. deliberate biological attack on Wuhan and Calm, as Ron Unz's excellent work on that issue has shown. And Jeffrey Sachs, the former chair of the Lancet's COVID-19 Origins Commission, uh, apparently 
tends to agree with Ron Unz. Uh, that's the inference one can draw from his statements that this virus originated in uh, U.S. bioweapons research. And he hasn't talked about the evidence that it was inflicted deliberately on China and Iran, but he's kind of between the lines, he's pointing in that direction. So he's calling for an independent inquiry into the virus's origins. And there is more than enough reason to hold such an inquiry and find out whether indeed the U.S. biowar program, which has been funded to well over $100 billion, uh, is responsible for this massacre of 20 million people around the world and the transformation of formerly free societies into what we see now on the back of that biowar massacre. Another incredible crime of the American deep state. One more reason to rise up against them. Yeah, uh, Ron, Ron Un said that the significant factor here is he's got Jeffrey Sachs saying it. And he said that uh, uh, John Mearsheimer, when he started talking about the Ukraine and saying, I told you so. He said that was significant. He got millions of views because of that. So this this all revolves around the status of Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, what uh, is he? Now, Jeffrey Sachs is one of the greatest villains uh, in the 20th century. He was the orchestrator of the looting of Russia, which was the first step. Okay, Russia was ready to become part of the whole, uh, uh, after the Soviet era, part of a, a respectable nation. They were willing to collaborate, and Jeffrey Sachs is the main reason why that whole thing got destroyed. Jeffrey Sachs orchestrated the Jewish looting of Russia. It was called privatization. Uh, basically, the, the entire patrimony, the entire economy, the big uh, corporate or uh, corporations state-owned corporations were all handed over to seven seven of the eight Jewish oligarchs who ran, ran, ran the country. He did this with his stooge, uh, Boris Yeltsin, right at his side. Now, the real question is, now, this is an insider. This man doesn't, you don't get more insider than Jeffrey Sachs was. Uh, has he had a, a sincere conversion? Uh, Maybe he wants Allah to forgive his sins of the 1990s by actually doing something good before he No, does. that's always a possibility. There's always a possibility that you can have gen, a genuine conversion. And that's, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say I think his conversion is sincere. Uh, look, there's problems here, problems, because uh, uh, Jeffrey Sachs is in many ways a creation of the Jesuits. Uh, I know the Jesuit who brought who brought about his conversion on this regard. He didn't become a Catholic, but he did turn away from his evil ways as a master of the universe. Uh, this has led to his promotion in the Catholic Church. Jeffrey Sachs is kind of running the Catholic Church right now. Now, I suppose there could be worse people, but is that part of the plan? Is is there this does not fit in with the Catholic Church? Well, you know, Mike, he, he could be less than a truly good guy and less than an authentic convert to true monotheism and so on, and still be pissed off that they were lying to his face and that, that the outrageous lies on the COVID origin issue might be so over the top that he's pissed off about that particular issue, making him a good guy on that issue without necessarily being a saint anywhere else. That's right. So no one has authorized canonization proceedings for Jeffrey Sachs. <laughs> Definitely not. So that's that's good. That's a sign that there's someone still alive in the Catholic Rome in the Vatican. OK, <laughs> uh, in spite of the Jesuit influence. So you're okay. right. We should give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so that's I think that's the most important COVID story of the week. But then there are a bunch of others relating to the fact that the information they're feeding us about COVID and the various containment measures, especially vaccines, uh, is less than reliable. And our next story 
did Steve Kirsch get it right when he claims hundreds of thousands of mRNA vaccine-related deaths and millions of injuries? That's the question raised by Naomi Wolf, the left-wing feminist who is going way off script on a couple of issues lately, including this one. And she comes up with a pretty good argument that Kirsch could be largely right. That is, there could be this incredible number of vaccine deaths. Uh, and she cites F excess death statistics uh, across different European countries. Um, that it, Since 2022, 18 to 39-year-olds are more likely to die if they're vaccinated. Uh, a number of indications that there have been quite a few vaccine-related deaths, possibly the, the numbers that, that uh, Hirsch is quoting. So that's interesting. And of course, now Naomi Wolf, formerly the, uh, you know, she was quite popular in left-wing official circles for a long time. Uh, probably she's going to find herself uh, more and more lonely, more and more banned from social media, and more and more in the company of uh, scoundrels like us. Yeah, so the question again is, uh, is uh, are, are the Jews who are promoting the official narrative now starting to realize that the mainstream narrative is going down and they're like leaving the ship? Uh, is, are they leaving a sinking ship? That's a suspicion, but let's get, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. And let's say, assume that the truth is becoming so obvious that uh, even the uh, of, used to be part of official supporters of the regime, and certainly feminism was a, an integral part of the regime. Uh, maybe they're having second thoughts. Maybe this is a sign that, uh, that, that things are changing. Yeah. And, and again, these individuals can be waking up on, on these particular issues without necessarily fully waking up or converting on anything else. And so I give Naomi Wolf the benefit of the doubt on that. And other things, she actually uh, favorably cited my 9-11 truth work in her book from back in, what it was, it, 2006 or seven. Uh, so she's always had more of an open mind than most people who've achieved her level of success in the mainstream activist world. Um, well, that safety problem around vaccines is not just emerging from people like Naomi Wolf, but even the CDC is now changing their story. They used to tell us that your body gets rid of the mRNA within a few days and the spike protein within a few weeks. Oops, they just had to erase that because it's not true. It turns out that all that stuff they inject into you sticks around much longer and doesn't stay at the injection site, but circulates throughout your body and ends up in all kinds of places where it might not be doing you any good. So... They're admitting it, but how are they admitting it? Simply by erasing stuff from, from their website without telling you that they changed anything. So, go back again to the German. If you make it a condition of being a loyal American to support bad medicine, and you're an enemy of the state if you oppose uh, big pharma, then you're creating a group of people who are going to be determined to overthrow the state. It's inexorable. This is the conclusion that more and more people have to come to. There's, we will never know the truth about what really happened with uh, COVID-19 and the vaccine, which I think was created at the same time as the real bioweapon, until there is a, an independent government agency that can actually look into it. And we don't have that. The CDC is certainly not that organization. They have to admit things after the fact, but they are still controlling the information as a form of warfare against the American people. And speaking of controlling the information, they're really trying to make sure that nobody uh, goes off script on these topics. And now we have Facebook banning children's health defense. I mean, they already had 
frozen them and uh, attacked them and so on. Now they've completely deplatformed them, erased everything they had. I think the Children's Health Defense had, I forget, like million or something, a huge number of uh, followers on Facebook. And now that's all gone. And again, they're turning you into enemies of the state. Anybody who cares about the truth now has to become an enemy of the state when the state unites to silence people who question their narrative. Yeah, and now you're talking about attacking Robert F. Kennedy. Uh, uh, well, the Kennedy family was a significant political force in the 20th century, and they were part of the elite. Do you remember Jackie Kennedy? I mean, she was, you know, that was, that was the elite. This is the, the top group of people, and now you're turning uh, against them, and now you're drawing attention to Robert Kennedy. Uh, and what else does Robert Kennedy have to talk about? Well, he can talk to you about how his father was assassinated. And how he doesn't believe that Sirhan Sirhan pulled the trigger. Yeah, he, he blames the CIA. And speaking of the CIA, the CIA is making the mRNA for the vaccines now. A CIA spinoff called National Resilience is the source of the mRNA. So again, that's, this supports your thesis, Mike, that the vaccine and the, the bioweapon were developed at pretty much the same time by pretty much the same people, which is the people in our biowar community. Uh, so yeah, this it's you're fi we're finding the same villains everywhere. And RFK Jr. is finding the same villains behind the murder of his father and his uncle, and the murder of 20 million people through COVID. Yeah, so it's sort of becoming clear, and all thanks to their efforts uh, to maintain a narrative and overplaying their their hand. Don't make critics of vaccines enemies of the state. That's a bad idea. Bad idea because you may drag the state down with all of your other lies. And by what the state is now doing in its war on Russia, and perhaps pretty soon China, and of course always Iran and Palestine and on and on and on, that's uh, pissing off a lot of people, not only in Russia and China and Iran and Palestine and elsewhere, but also here in the United States where people are waking up and seeing that this isn't in our interest. Why is it in the U.S. interest to wage a war on Russia and order your captive Ukrainian Ukro-Nazi military to be firing multiple rockets directly into the cooling systems and the nuclear waste storage site at a nuclear power plant? Um, that's... I mean, talk about stupid. They're trying to create another Chernobyl and probably are going to try to blame it on Russia. New York Times story on this is, is saying, you know, Russians and Ukrainians trade accusations. Well, if you actually read the fine print of the story, it's obvious it's the Ukrainians. They're shooting at it because the Russians are the run, ones occupying and running the plant. Right. Um, but the media is going to try to figure out some way to blame Russia for some horrific incident. Is At least that's what it looks like they're trying to gin up. What do you think? Of course, that's the case. These Ukrainians were firing on the plant. Uh, because they're losing the war. And these are desperate measures of people who are losing the war, desperate measures that will uh, people who are uh, criminals to begin with, like the Nazis who are running the Ukrainian states, the Jewish Nazis who are running the Ukrainian states. Uh, this is the type of thing. They have no respect for uh, human life. They have no respect for moral law or any type of law. And so they're naturally uh, tend to this type act of terrorism. But again, the question is a fortiori, why are the Germans going along with this? What, who do you think is going to be the first group to suffer once uh, the dirty bomb goes off? It's going to be NATO. It's going to be all of those countries that signed on with NATO for this crazy war against their own uh, self-interest. And on top of that, you've got a kind of eco uh, green party that is fanatical about closing down nuclear plants in Germany. I lived across the Rhine River from one and they shut it down. It's now an amusement park if you want to go there. Uh, 
And now these are the people who are supporting the Nazis who are bombing a nuclear plant, which may set off a catastrophic explosion, which will make Germany radioactive. Figure that one out. Well, this neocon war on Russia through Ukraine is going wrong in a lot of ways. But there are some U.S. Uh, military folks who are speaking out against it. One of them is Marinus, the pen name of a senior U.S. Marine Corps officer who expressed admiration for uh, Russia's war in Ukraine in the August edition of the U.S. Marine Corps Gazette. Uh, so they're starting to go off script a little bit. I, I have seen a whole lot of uh, U.S. military types, um, certainly at Veterans Today, where I hang out, but elsewhere as well who are all going on record uh, against the heroic Zelensky Ukraine narrative. Um, so maybe there will be an uprising in the U.S. military. Maybe there will be a colonel's coup against the uh, pedophile elite controlled generals at some point. And maybe the military will actually become an agent of the salvation of the republic. Uh, that sounds like a crazy idea. Certainly I would have thought so 20, 30 years ago. But um, I don't really see much uh, any other way that things are going to change. Uh, may maybe uh, dreaming of an American pro-Constitution military coup uh, over to overthrow the uh, horrific elite that we currently have in D.C. and uh, City of London, New York and L.A. and so on is uh, perhaps uh, a stretch. In any case, reading this article, though, did give me hope that there are some sane people still left in the U.S. military. Yeah, well, they're all being forced out, uh, first of all, by social engineering. You have to go along with the transgendered agenda. They're going to be great warriors. Send uh, Richard, Richard Levine in. He'll, 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 he'll be a good uh, uh, soldier. Uh, that's one thing. But COVID is another example. We have to face up to the fact that the army has always been a form of social engineering. Uh, John B. Watson said that. <laughs> That's at the beginning of the 20th century. It's only gotten worse since that time. And what this means is that people who tell the truth are going to be punished or people who stand up to it. Like I know soldiers who are refusing to get vaccinated. Well, they're all bad people now and they're all going to get drummed out of, of the military, which is the military's loss. It's not the loss of these individual people. So uh, I have a, a someone I know who is uh, joined the military in spite of asking me. I told her not to do it, but she went anyway. And now she's been in for years and she, the military values her. She's a reliable person. And they're offering her $40,000 to re-up. This shows you the desperation that they're having, the military is having, because the word has even gotten down to the guys playing video games on their couches and they're not volunteering. They're not filling their quotas because why would, first of all, why would I want to die for the gay disco? That's so what, what would it, one uh, want to die for then? Well, uh, maybe one's deeply held religious values, but that would make you a, a terrorist, right? And that's the theme of our next slide. Uh, the Atlantic Magazine put out a notorious article and they had to censor it and change it because of the backlash, uh, basically calling yeah. Catholics terrorists and saying the rosary is some kind of a, an automatic weapon. Uh, so, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? This is absolutely true. I just got my assault rosary in the mail today. It has high-velocity beads, and we are going to kick ass. Fragmentation with, with, beads, huh? With high-velocity high beads. It's going, no, this shows you how scared these people are. The Atlantic, once again, is a Jewish newspaper, a Jewish magazine. It used to be the Boston elite. It's a Jewish magazine, and they are afraid. 
They are afraid uh, because basically it's a spiritual war here uh, that has been going on ever since the Jews crucified Jesus Christ. And that's the problem. They know that and they fear spiritual weapons. And this is a spiritual weapon. So they're right. They're right to write articles like this. Indeed. Yeah. If you're if you're Catholic, you're a dangerous terrorist, an enemy of the state. And that's certainly true if you're Muslim, too. And so if they just go and kill some Muslim guy over in Afghanistan, everybody just kind of says, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, and then they say, hey, that was Ayman al-Zawahiri, the leader of al-Qaeda. Um, but we don't have any DNA confirmation and we're not going to get that confirmation. And he's already been reported killed. He died of natural causes in November, four, November 14, 2020. He was killed in a missile strike in 2008. Now they killed him again, but they can't confirm it. Because apparently their uh, drone that sliced him up took the pieces and fed them to the fishes, just like with bin Laden. So we'll never really know. And uh, here the Muslim skeptic website is expressing some skepticism about what they're telling us about the Wahiri. In any case, what we do know is that they're telling us that if you're religious, you're a terrorist. It used to be the Muslims. Now I guess it's the Catholics, too. Yeah, well, this gets back to the uh, the murder of uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, if if the country uh, believed in the rule of law, if the United States believed in the rule of law, they would have apprehended him. They had him in their hands. Instead of taking his corpse to the helicopter, they could have taken him to the helicopter. They could have flown him back to New York, and they could have put him on trial for they, destroying then, the then towers. They brainwash him into believing that he had something to do with nine eleven. Even, even if they did that, they'd still have to put them on trial and they have to put people there under oath. And that's exactly what they do not want to do. They do not. This so-called rule of law is a sham in this country. They do not want to put people under oath because they know the devastating consequences that would have for their narrative. Indeed. Well, speaking of, uh, of narrative uh, fails, um, uh, those some of some very smart people actually have been pointing out that it was certainly odd timing that Salman Rushdie finally got got attacked and, and hurt and stabbed uh, just at the moment that the Iran nuclear deal was about to be revved back up. Uh, and here's Mohammed Mirandi, uh, one of our esteemed colleagues from Tehran, making that case. And then in the next slide, there's uh, two uh, dubious looking characters over at the UNS Review making the same case. I guess great minds think alike. Yes, that's for certain here. So the, the point uh, being that uh, one of the people the English dragged out was this guy named Stephen Pollard, uh, who is uh, an absolute disaster. No, no editor in his right mind would ever hire Stephen Pollard to write for him because he's opening himself up for lawsuits. This man has a, a, a horrendous track record. When he was editor of the Jewish Chronicle, he had so many lawsuits against him that the, the magazine went bankrupt. Now, he is writing an article here on the Salman Rushdie case, and he says, uh, he starts talking, he brings up the Iran uh, nuclear deal. Well, I didn't know that was part of this. How do you know that? He does protest too much. Yeah, and then he says the timing was significant. Well, yeah, what, what he, sure. yeah. He's bragging. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean, you mean that the Iranians sent this guy to attack Salman Rushdie to destroy their own nuclear agreement? Does that make sense? No, what he's saying is he's got insider information. He's one of those guys that has insider information. And the timing was on the part of the Mossad. They're the ones, and maybe with the collaboration of the FBI. So the first thing that the lawyer, uh, uh, this man's lawyer should do is subpoena the FBI and say, did you know about this guy? He had pictures on Facebook. Did you know who he was? Uh, if you didn't, then why are we paying you all this money uh, with something this obvious? If you did know about him, what type of further contact did you have? Is he one of these guys like the, 
the poor white trash that were going to kidnap uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer uh, with the help of Dana Nessel and the FBI in Michigan was another entrapment scheme. That's the type of thing that needs to come out in the trial. He's probably another Sirhan Sirhan, I would think, only in this case, uh, he actually did deliberately uh, harm somebody. Sirhan Sirhan simply mindlessly fired a weapon randomly and uh, didn't even hit RFK. But that's another story. Let's move on to more suspected crimes and real definite crimes of the Zionists and their friends over in Saudi Arabia, or Saudi Israeli, as I've sometimes called it. Uh, these are our allies. These are part of the free world, the Saudis. And you get 34 years in prison for a tweet that the clown prince doesn't like. Um, she was held, this woman, uh, Saima Ashahab, was held for over 285 days in solitary before her case was even referred to court. Now, she's a mother of two, a researcher at Leeds University in Britain. She was on vacation in Saudi Arabia two days before she was heading back to the UK. Boom, she's grabbed for making tweets that uh, that Bin Salman doesn't like. So these, these are the kind of regimes that we're supposed to like and accept because they're supposedly on the side of the good guy oligarchs that rule the world. Somehow, uh, I, th I think that's all backwards. Yeah, and I also think we have to uh, examine Twitter's role in this thing. The, uh, is Twitter there to encourage people like this so that they rise up and then get arrested? Uh, I think it's something to consider. Uh, the, Twitter was taken over. Jack Dorsey was a Catholic boy from Michigan who created the thing, and he got pushed out. He's going to spend the rest of his life spending all the money he earned by, the, by his sellout. But uh, who has taken over? Who's, who's running Twitter? And what is the purpose of Twitter? Is it to get you to feel emboldened to make things, statements that will be used against you at some type of future moment? Who knows? Anyway, this is not the way to proceed. I don't know what the Saudis are thinking here. At the one hand, they allow women to drive. Okay, that's a big mistake. Women should never drive. Okay, and then they allow the women to drive, and then this woman says something they don't like, and then they throw her in prison for 34 years. Yeah, that's that's liberating the, the women. Uh, they can drive, but they can't tweet. Oh, boy. Well, moving over to the Saudis' good friends in Tel Aviv, um, even worse criminals, if that's even possible. Uh, the Zionists are doing the biggest expulsion since their war of aggression in 1967, uh, expelling over 1,300 Palestinians. And here's a quote from Kobe Eliraz, the former Israeli uh, senior defense ministry official. He says, quote, Palestinians know that they can steal land from Jews, so they go ahead and do so. <laughs> they cry out as they strike you, don't they? <laughs> they cry out as they strike you. <laughs> Damn it. I said the same thing to our Iranian friends. Why did you put your country in the middle of all those military bases? That was really a stupid idea. Didn't you know that these people didn't like you? So here is, again, the classic example of the Jew crying out in pain as he strikes you. You know, wait a minute. <laughs> where, where, how did those Palestinians get there in the first place? They stole the land from the Jews, of course. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they know? Didn't they know the theft is wrong? Gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, at least we know that the that the the Jews are the good guys with the Holocaust narrative, right? Uh, that's what we heard uh, in all of the controlled corporate media this week, as uh, Mahmoud Abbas in Berlin, after he was being pilloried for the whatever year it was when the uh, there were some Palestinian terrorists who struck the Olympics. And so they're badgering him to apologize. And he got angry and responded that uh, Israel has committed 50 Holocausts. Every day we have people killed by the Israeli defense forces. And uh, now the Germans are all in a tizzy about Abbas. And it turns out, as we see in the next slide, that Abbas is a notorious Holocaust denier. 
he published a dissertation with the Institute of Oriental Studies in Moscow uh, that was later republished as a book called The Other Side, The Secret Relationship Between Nazism and Zionism, in which he not only points out that the Zionists were collaborators with the Nazis, but in fact that Robert uh, Forisson and other experts have shown that probably there were no gas chambers and fewer than one million Jews were killed in the so-called Nazi Holocaust making it actually considerably smaller than the U.S. Holocaust when the Americans murdered uh, more than a million Germans in concentration camps immediately after the war and another uh, up to 20 million indirectly uh, during the ethnic cleansing of the German-occupied lands after World War II. The real Holocaust and Dresden and Hiroshima and Nagasaki were virtually all committed by the good guys, right? And, uh, and the... Uh, horrific Jew, Jew, mistreatment of Jews by the Germans was actually pretty small potatoes compared to some of this other stuff. But you're not allowed to say that or you're an evil Holocaust denier like Abbas and like essentially every other educated person in the uh, uh, Muslim world and every educated person in the world, period. Yeah, well, Holocaust means burnt whole. Uh, and that is certainly what happened to the people in Dresden, uh, Hamburg, uh, Hiroshima, and Nagasaki. They were burnt whole. And that was the guilt, I think. That was the guilt that propelled this narrative. And so Ailey Wiesel, when he wrote uh, Night, he said that uh, he saw the Nazi soldiers throwing Jewish babies into flaming pits. And the flames reached up. Well, there were no flaming pits. We know that now. The CIA or the OSS or wherever, they flew over and there were no flaming pits. So what we're talking about is a narrative that was confected for political purposes. And again, it goes back to that crucial turning point that I mentioned, 1967, the year when the abortion narrative was just getting started. And it's the same people who are doing it. It's the New York Times. The New York Times jumped on to the Holocaust narrative at this point because of the Arab-Israeli war. The Jews were sick of supporting ungrateful Schwarzes in the civil rights movement, so they decided to support Israel, and now they created the, uh, a new version of the Holocaust narrative, which was Yeshi Kaczynski's uh, book, The Painted Bird. They got behind that 100%. The Zulzberger clique uh, was supporting this. They all hung out at Miriam Javits's cocktail parties, and uh, Yeshi Kaczynski was part of it. And it worked well. It was really successful until the whole thing blew up in their face. That is the destiny of the Holocaust narrative. It's going to blow up in their faces sooner or later. Okay, and the more the more they make publicity for it, the more people like Forison and those people are going to say, well, I, I don't think that's true. And they, they have their other counter narrative. Again, once again, the counter narrative is going to replace the mainstream narrative. That's going to be the event that's going to happen. And that happened a long time ago, again, in much of the world. And it's kind of slowly percolating in the West as well. Uh, well, maybe there's a solution to all these horrible things that we talk about on this show. Electric vehicles? Well, maybe, maybe not. Here's the Pro article, which is a pretty slick corporate puff piece published in Motor Trend. And then flashback to the next slide over in the hill. Uh, somebody from a libertarian think tank points out that there are a lot of downsides to electric vehicles, too. Bottom line, uh, are they really saving energy? And the answer might possibly they're saving a little bit, but not nearly as much as some of these exaggerated claims Uh I don't think the earth is going to be saved by a transition to electric vehicles. What do you think, Mike? No, it's a failed concept. The automobile is a failed concept. It should never, we should never have built the interstate highway system because it made us independent on, or dependent on foreign oil. Uh, but the, the highwaymen, Detroit was powerful at that point, and they pushed us through for their own interest. 
the best uh, uh, instance of the uh, refuting this idea was uh, Pete Buttigieg, our illustrious former gay mayor and now Secretary of Transportation, testifying to Congress where the congressman says, uh, oh, by the way, where is this electricity going to come from? We don't have the capacity. And Pete kind of reluctantly says, well, yeah, we don't have the capacity, but we'll get it. We'll get it. Okay, that's the big flaw in these arguments. Yeah, you look at just the car itself. Well, great. But where does the energy, where does the electricity come that you put into the car? Was it those windmills? That's obviously the point of that Frovo uh, in that uh, the previous thing, your slide you had. It's windmills. There they are behind that car. Those damn windmills, they're going to power every single million, the millions of uh, electric automobiles in this country. This is preposterous. And the fact that Pete Buttigieg, the solution to every problem, according to Pete Buttigieg, is buy an electric vehicle. Uh, there's more reason you should be suspicious. Yeah, well, Pete Buttigieg is definitely not one of my favorite politicians, and, and neither is Ontario Premier Doug Ford, although uh, he did just do a pretty cool publicity stunt. He swallowed a bee during a live news conference. Now, this guy, Doug Ford, is better known for getting a buzz from things that go into his nose than things that go down his throat, but he made an exception on this particular occasion, and uh, I guess we all have to admit that that, that was uh, even more entertaining than uh, some of Donald Trump's antics, which is saying sort of a lot, I guess. Maybe maybe he gets high from swallowing bees. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you have to go cold turkey from the other stuff. Uh, you get desperate. Well, uh, here at False Flag Weekly News, we uh, try not to swallow insects while we're broadcasting live on the air, and we try to only let truth come out of our mouths uh, as best we can, which probably gets us in a lot of trouble. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and get in trouble, <laughs> Dr. E. Michael Jones. My pleasure, Kevin. Okay, and thank you to our viewers and supporters. God willing, see you all next week.